0: We count it as another blessing to be back in God's house for another portion of his word. And what we decided to do with the help of the Holy Spirit, we're going to call your attention to Mark chapter six. Mark chapter six. And we're going to pick up one thought. I think it's going to be very, very interesting. Mark chapter six, verses seven through thirteen. And I want to say to each of you today I thank God for your presence here today and I love you all and I know you all love me your actions it's not just the words the actions and as the pastor always say to me say we love you brother and I say tell them I love you all as well and it's not just words is that right actions actions mean much and I thank God for the hour or so that you all had to put up with me today. And I just pray and hope that you was blessed as a result of this. And and I'm praying for our our pastor as well. And when I say our pastor, I'm not talking about Brother Bush, but I'm talking about Pastor Boyne. See, I'm here. This is our pastor. Is that right? And uh, So we want to do whatever that we can. Amen. To bring glory and honor to God. Let's finish up where we left off. Uh, We ended six, Mark chapter six, we have another paragraph in store for you today, verses seven through verse thirteen, and I'm gonna do something a little different here and see how nice I am, So to cast how nice I am. I'm not gonna ask y'all to stand. <laughs> see how nice I am and see the, and I need some good reports told to our uh, brother Harold. Is that right? I'm nice. <laughs> All right, verses 7 to 13. We're just going to read God's word together and then we're going to expound from the words here. Verse 7 from the King James Version And he that is Jesus called unto him the twelve, and began to send them forth by two and two, and gave them power over unclean spirits, and commanded them that they should take nothing for their journey, save a staff only, no scrip, no bread, no money in their purse, but be shod with. And not put on two coats. And he said unto them, In what place soever ye enter into the house, they'll abide till you depart from that place. And whosoever shall not receive you nor hear you, when ye depart thence, shake off the dust under your feet for a testimony against them. Verily I say unto you, it shall be more tolerable for Sodom and more in the day of judgment than for that city. And they went out and preached that men should repent. And they cast out many devils and anointed with oil many that were sick and healed them. Let us pray. Father, once again, we thank you for this great opportunity that you have allowed us to come to your house to worship you. What is a privilege, what is a joy and an honor to attend the service here and to give you glory and honor as you request for us to do. Father, we thank you for what you have done for us and we thank you what your continuing will do for us. And we thank you, Father, for the truths that you have revealed for us today. And we pray, Father, that these truths, Father, will be received uh, by us into our hearts. And I pray, Father, wherever uh, these truths are uh, placed in our hearts, I pray that you engraft them so that our lives, Father, can be, uh, bring forth the desired results, and that is a life of glory and honor towards you. That you be glorified in honor. But give us, Father, where we have failed you. Name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. All right, we want to hear another portion. I thought that was very interesting because in the first six verses, Jesus spent time training his disciples. Is that right? You know, and you know, training—that's a very important word. You know, training try to uproot some some bad. Uh, uh, germs, I guess, uh, bad uh, behavior that we have inside us. And it, and training is not easy work. Is that right? Somebody go bring me a child and see can we get our train and you call call it easy work. It's not easy work. If it's not easy to train up a child, it's not going to be easy to train up a disciple. Is that right? Because all the God's people, when we come into this world, we come as babes in Christ, and we stay what? Children of God. Is that right? We, can't, we, we, we don't outgrow that stage. We're always God's children, and that's a blessing uh, uh, that we uh, often does not uh, put a pin in. Don't think about it. That we don't never grow past that stage, is that right? We will always be God's children, no matter no matter what. How many years we've been to this don't, doesn't mean anything. Amen. God still loves his children, and we need to love him as well. Now, we learned in our previous uh, exposition of Mark chapter 6, verse 1 through 6, that this chapter is filled with opportunities. Is that right? That's what we said. And opportunity is defined as a set of circumstances that makes it possible to do something. And now, you're going to see that there were some circumstances, there were some opportunities in the first six verses. Some uh, uh, chose that to exercise their faith, and that's why Jesus was able to do what? The miracles for those that, that they brought to him. And that was many, many missed the opportunity because they chose to be in unbelief. And that's sad today. That's the condition that we are living in today. You have people professing to be Christians at the same time. They're conducting themselves just like they are unregenerate. Now, the next step for Jesus is to continue his evangelism through Galilee. But listen, this time the disciples is going to have to go alone, and they're going to have to do it without Jesus. I love that. Now, there's a a picture of that. Now, even though we may not have the visible manifestation of of Jesus in physical form, but we have him by way of the is that right? That's a blessing for us. And we want to make sure that we keep that uh, in mind. Now, almost two and a half years of training and teaching has been given to these men. One day, Jesus will have to leave them while he goes back home heaven. Is that right? Now, this is the time Jesus had planned, and therefore, he commissioned them out into his harvest. And I want to take a look at Matthew chapter 9 very quick. Matthew chapter 9. Verses 36, 37, and verse 38 is where we begin our exposition because we have to understand uh, uh, who the harvest belongs to. And once we get that uh, cleared up, and I believe, brethren, that we can take what we have have noted from what we learned this morning, we can attach that uh, to this information. Now, Matthew said in Matthew chapter 9, verses 36 through 38, But when he saw the multitudes, at Jesus, he was moved with compassion on them because they fainted and were scattered abroad as sheep having no shepherd. Then said he unto his disciples, the harvest truly is plenteous, but laborers are few. Pray ye therefore the Lord of the harvest that he will send forth laborers into his harvest. Now, I love that 38th verse. Pray ye therefore the Lord of the harvest laborers into his harvest. All right. Now, we know the proverb says the harvest is plenteous. Is that right? And as, and we have to understand that no child of God has any business being bored. Is that right? I got nothing to do. I got nothing to do. I said, Yes, we got plenty to do. The harvest is what? It's plenteous. <laughs> is that right? Well, I. Uh, 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 I'm not a preacher. I said, hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on. I said, now you may not be called for the pulpit, but every believer, by the way, man and woman is a preacher. Now, don't go back and say, well, Brother Myron said, I'm a preacher. Yeah, in that, in, in that sense, not to be in the pulpit, is that right? Not to take headship, not leadership, is that right? we have that responsibility of proclaiming the good news to who? To everyone that we come in contact with. Even those in our own homes that reject us from time to time. Is that right? It's still our responsibility. So we got plenty of work to do. You know, we, and, and see, the, see, the pastor has a lot of work to do. We all have what? A lot of work to do because this harvest is so plenty. And you can you can see the harvest. And first of all, we have to understand who is the Lord of the harvest. Is that right? Now, I believe the Lord of the harvest is either God the Father or the Lord Jesus Christ himself. You know, they're they're, they're one. And the reason why I said God the Father is because he has concern for all the elect. Is that right? And now, keep this in mind. Now, why did I bring up the word elect? I bring up the word elect because the harvest is not about everyone. Let's, Let's be honest about it. But we cannot mistreat them. And so therefore, the is, is about bringing forth those who are God's people, the elect, out of the world to where they need to be. Is that right? But the good thing I love about it, Charles Spurgeon says it, says it at, at the best, even though uh, we have uh, problems with identifying who is, the, who is the elect, is that right? And yeah, I can't tell you, tell you better make, take your shirt off. Maybe you've got a stripe on your back. <laughs> it doesn't work that way. And so that gives us the responsibility, since we do not know who they elect are, it's our responsibility to present the gospel to everyone. Is that right? Because if we fail to preach the gospel to everyone, we are not doing our part. And that can be a brother or sister that we have failed to tell about Jesus. But let me say this also. I want to add this in. Sometimes because of fear, and I don't know if I said that this morning. I, I don't say it, I said so much, I don't remember. And I may have said it to you, Brother Mike, is that I didn't take the time yesterday to say anything to my waitress up there, anything about Jesus. And maybe you know, I have time, that I have fear. See, this is a different setting, is that right? Anybody, I, yeah, I have no problem preaching to you. But I should not have the problem of uh, those who i come in contact with to tell them the story of Jesus because that's still my responsibility. They are still what part of the harvest. I don't know whether they're saved or not. Is that right? And so they may say that they're saved and so it's our responsibility to share Christ. And, and, and see, and not only is the Father has concerns for all the elect and he will have them all gathered in. Is that right? And I want to say this. Not one shall be left out. I want to make sure that everyone knows that, you know, even though somebody may not want to do anything, well, uh, 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 God is sovereign. with He men. I said, listen, listen, listen. Uh, we understand that, but God still uses men and He uses women to do what? To help bring them in, and that's that's very, very important. Now, now let's don't get that mixed up. I did not say that He uses men and women. To be up in the pulpit because he made it very clear is that right the men have their place of leadership and the women have their place and so they have to submit themselves to the authority of god i have nothing wrong with that and i i don't know uh uh the women's here have any objections to that, but they got a movement out there brother mike known as the women live out there they movement they don't like that you know they want to be on top of things i said you can be on top of things but God has his own order. That's how we have to operate. We operate not according to your order, but we operate according to God's divine order. And God always operates how? Decently and in order. So we're going to do it God's way. That's very important. Do it the way that God did. Then we also said that the Lord Jesus Christ himself is the Lord of the harvest, who has the care and charge of the whole election of grace, because our election took place where? Not out of Christ. But our election took place in Christ from eternity. Is that right? And so God knows who are the elect. But we just don't know. And as long as we are the elect, God will do everything possible to preserve us until the time that he saves us in time. Is that right? And so so God does do strange and unusual things, amazing things here uh, towards his people. And he must be acknowledged for that. And, and, And not only that, Jesus will bring them all in. And he has the power also of sending forth labels, as we will see in this paragraph. Sending forth labels. That's ought to be our responsibility to pray to God that he will send forth what? Labels. Now, since I'm praying to God to send forth labels, I said, well, I don't need to do anything. No, 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 no. Because I'm praying. No, no. I still got to work. Is that, is that right? That's, that, that's no loophole in this. See, people always try to find a loophole in something. Is that right? That's no loophole. And I pray because as laborers, I need to do more than what I'm doing now. Is that right? That we can improve every day in this work. But we have to understand it's God's, it's God's harvest, right? He is the Lord of the harvest. And our responsibility is to do exactly what God says in order amen, to get the elect in. So the message is sending out the 12 into Jesus' harvest is what we're talking about. Sending out the 12 into Jesus' harvest. Now, note the commission given in verse 7 and, 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 and let's read that together you read it softly I'll read it loud <laughs> and he called unto him the twelve and began to send them forth by two and two and gave them power over unclean spirit now this is going to be Jesus here doing something that he had never done before is it right this is going to be the disciples first mission trip now they don't know what Jesus that what Jesus is getting ready to do, but Jesus knew what their response. Be. He knew what what their overall uh, uh, pattern is going to be whether they're going to obey him or not. Two and a half years of training. Now it's time for you to what to get up and let's go, let's move because I got another year left and I'll be going back to heaven. And so therefore, this work need to be. Uh, 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 in capable hands, is that right? Before Jesus left, he made sure his disciples was capable. Is that right? He gave them the truth, and every now and then we see people trying to change. The truth. Is that right? He gave them the truth, and the truth should be set. It is established. Is that right? And we are not authorized to change the truth. And so, when Jesus sent them out, he sends them out with very specific instructions. And then we're going to find that that the instructions uh, that God gives disciples will serve to further prepare them for their future ministry. Is that right? And so these instructions, rather are very important for us today. He gives them. Is that right? Let's take a look at what he says here. Now, note he called unto him the twelve. Now, prior to this, commission, these twelve disciples had been con- conversant. With Christ, That means that they were familiar with Christ. Is, is that right? They, they were familiar with uh, uh, the things that he did, his manner, his knowledge. Is that right? And that's, that's what happened when you follow Christ. That's what happens when you follow uh, the pastor, when he gives instructions. Is that right? You will become knowledgeable. You become familiar with him. And to some point, you know exactly when the pastor may come off. When you may take a breath, why? Because you're familiar with him. You're familiar with his actions. And that's very important, brethren. We need to be familiar uh, with the one who is leading us. And those who are leading need to realize that they have a great responsibility. You need to lead them exactly as the way that Christ led you. Is that right? But it's uh, unfortunate that many people claim to be led by Christ, but they are not. So as Christ, as they follow Christ, you can't get no better example than that. Follow Pastor Born as he was, As he followed Christ. You can't get any better than that. That's firsthand experience. Is that right? And, and why do you follow him? Not just because of instructions, but you follow him that he will not only provide you with instructions, but he will show you. I like that. Exactly how to do it. Is that right? That's what a pastor does show you exactly how it is to be done. And that's what Jesus then spent two and a half years and on their own to see what they can do. Now Jesus knew what, they, what he was able to do but they have to know it for themselves. Now they had sat at his feet, they heard his doctrine and seen his miracle, and now he determined to make some use of them. Is that right? And so they had received that they might what? Give. They had learned that they might what? Teach. And therefore now he began to send them forth And so Mark chose not to reveal the names of these men, whereas Matthew provides us with their names. And we don't need uh, to know all the names, not at this time. See, Jesus called these men, and the word calls means to invite. That word, kaleo, in the Greek, has a strong middle voice, and it stresses that they were personally called to Jesus. And see, this is what I love about Jesus. See, Jesus is not only... Uh, our Savior, but He is what a personal Savior. You have to get to know him personally. Is that right? Nobody, uh, 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 because uh, uh, my mom uh, uh, trusted Jesus and personally, that wasn't enough for me to get saved. Is that right? I have to have to also have a proper and right relationship with Jesus you have to trust Him and become dear to Him and to get Him know, get to know Him. See. These preachers of the gospel, when asked for the call, had to decide to entrust a service regarding to the extension of the gospel. And so what I'm saying here today is that what these men realize is that Jesus was turning over the work to them. And see, we have to understand that. That's who we are. We are a recipient of the work that Jesus has turned over to us. We are not authorized to change anything that Jesus has worked. Has instructed us to do. But we're living in times now where you got people don't even care. You know they want to bring in the church. They want to bring they want to bring in this this universal this invisible church. I never heard of that. The church is always going to be what it's local. Always going to be visible. Is that right? And so don't let nobody fool you on that on on that point. And so it is our responsibility. Say it exactly as the way that Jesus said it and not to change it. And don't be afraid because there's going to be objection, There's going to be reaction that comes along with this. See, it's all right to study in the academy. Is that right? But well, you can't stay in the, at the academy all the time. It's all right to get knowledge. But then we'll start now and take what they learned. learn. <laughs> take what they learned, learn, the knowledge that they got, the instructions that they got. To, in order to do the work that Jesus has called for them to do. And see, and then once you go out and do the part, you still what? You got to train some more. Is that right? And then the next time, go out again. And then what? Train some more. This is what our worship service is, is all about. See, by the time that we leave here today, by the time Wednesday comes, we should be exhausted. Is that right? Because of the strain that has placed upon us, and we need to get back to God's house, where we can receive more instructions, more encouragement. Well, we need healthy instructions, is that right? We need healthy teachings, and that's what the sound doctrine does uh, of, of the Word of God. Now, the word sin is actually the, the word that we're talking about, commission. I like that word. When we hear that these men, he called unto him, the twelve, and began to send them forth. Now, that word sin is a very important word. Not only does it mean that they were from one place to another, but the word sin carries the, the idea that they became ambassadors for Christ. They represented Christ. Is that right? Now, if you say that you're a Christian or you're a preacher of the gospel, it is your responsibility to represent Christ right. Is that right? Imitate him. You can't, can't imitate no one else. You can't go wrong if you imitate Christ. Is that right? Be like Christ. Talk like Christ, speak like Christ, have the boldness like Christ, love like Christ, live like Christ, walk holy like Christ. See, i imitate imitating Christ, and, and and so if you're following Christ, and then and then when you're hearing what this world is doing, that ought to be something ought to catch you right. There. That's a sharp contrast between what the Word of God and what Jesus said than what these people out here are doing. But they profess to be Christians, and see, and the tenor. Is, is that because uh, we have the tendency well they're Christians, so I, I'm gonna leave them alone well to me they're not Christians see Christians are those who is going to be faithful and they're going to do it the same way that Jesus said and what we're going to see here uh, uh in the in the few verses that we have here no matter what the world has to say Jesus words is more powerful than those men's or women's opinions and we let the, these people, freedom of their opinion, uh, shut our mouth. That's shame on us, sad on us. But I have, I have difficulties uh, with, with that. And then most of the time they come to me on my job site and ask me what my opinion about uh, homosexuality and all that. I say, well, I don't have an opinion. i give you what Jesus said about it, what the Bible said about it, because you brought it up. And so I'm giving you the Bible said. The next thing you know, brother Mike, they done got hearts. <laughs> yeah, I told you, and now not only they are they are so angry, they now attacked me really personally. And see, I, I'm used to that. I'm, I'm used to those kind of attacks when you're trying to do something. Like, you know, when I was policing over there, you know, they didn't like the truth. You know, officers going out, doing their job, and they, they get mad at you. And you had a little, little boy that told uh, uh uh, I don't like your husband, so my wife said, huh? I don't like your husband, why? Because he put my mama in jail, or something like that. That's, that's nonsense. That's, that, that, that's stupid. But anyway, we have to realize that we must represent Jesus well. You want to be a church member? I want to be more than just a church member. I'm gonna be a true, devoted disciple of Jesus Christ. but I can faithfully serve Him and faithfully be in attendance whenever possible to be right here at Great Baptist Church? Is that right? Whenever possible. And like I like I tell them, God knows those of us who are on distance. And I, and I just it just every time when I hear the change in the uh, hour, or uh, so that the other members now because realizing from the distance they're traveling and because the eyesight, you know, I, I didn't understand that when I was uh, younger. I didn't understand that. But I understand that now. I want to be home off the road before uh, uh, dark because these people headlights. And then when I see these headlights, sometimes I wish I was still in the police car. What is this here? They now modified the vehicles and against the state of Florida now, I'm still up date on the laws. You know, bumpers have to be at a certain height. Lights has to be likewise. You can't have these color lights that people are riding around. There should be three colors on your vehicle. White, amber, or red. And you can't put red in the front. Red goes in the back. Amber is for a light like, for the turn signal, the four-way black flasher. And white for the headlights and white for the tag lights. In a white F shown elsewhere, you won't get pulled over. You have a broken tail light and all that. I'm going to get pulled lower. See, see see, the laws. And see, we are weak when it comes down in the laws of the land. Why? Because we are not interested. We let people take these offices, and next thing you know, we get in trouble. Then we go and look. I didn't know that was the law. Too bad. There's no fault but ours. Is that right? Because every time there's a, an election taking place, you ought to be there. And I encourage myself always to be there. I need to know who these people are, who I'm voting for. If I what that mean? I don't put them in. And then when something big comes up, like the voting for the president, what happened? Uh, uh I don't. Well, you have in a while. <laughs> you got you got to uh, re-register. Says so your fault. Says so you keep voting regularly, you don't have to worry about that. But anyway, I just throw that out to you. Now observe how he sent them out. He sent them out how? In pairs. But let, let, let me give you an abiding principle with what I just said. See, we are, the abiding principle now is that we are commissioned to go and proclaim the gospel and allow people to repent and trust in Jesus for their salvation. And I believe that's going to be very important that we're going to take note of it. Now, he sent them out how? In pairs. See, going in pairs was a common Jewish process and was a pattern in the Book of Acts. Is that right? Pairs establishes the truthfulness of the message. It is always easier and safer for servants to travel and work together. See, it's very important that we work together. We in the church, we should what? We work together. This is what love does. We, work together. we don't have to pretend that we are working together. There's wrong with that. You've got to pretend. Oh, I don't like you. Well, that's a problem right there. Everybody's going to be different. And sometimes people are so different, I just don't say anything. 'Cause don't need to be said. Sometimes things don't need to be said. I just have to get used to it. I don't want to be the be the part all the time. Got to grumble and complain. You know, you got to put up with me. As well as you got to put up with you. I said, look at that. I, I got to put up with him. I said, right. And then he got to put up with you. See how that works both ways. And sometimes we just I I, I don't know. I guess we all have that tendency upon us that we got to say something about. You don't have to say. I know it's, everybody's different. Even Paul had a problem with bundles, was not Too, 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 too. But that's another message for, for itself. All right. <clears throat> Jesus tells them now in verses 8 and 9, uh-oh, to travel light. And that's the reason why we're going to talk about that. Look at, look at verses 8 and 9 right quick. Mark 6, 8 and 9. And commanded them that they should take nothing for their journey, save with staff only, no script, no bread, no money in their purse, but be shod with sandals and not put on coats. In other words, Jesus saying, hey, take life. I want you to travel life. See, throughout his ministry, Jesus has performed signs and wonders that serve to show who he is. Is that right? And to validate his authority. As Jesus sends out the twelve, he confers on them the power to perform signs as well. And so, what is the abiding principle here? Well, the abiding principle is why our ministry is different in many ways from that of the apostles. We too are sent as his representative and any power we have is power that he works through us. And you find that in First Corinthians chapter 1, verses 26 through 31. Now, he commanded them that they should take nothing for their journey. Now, in this ministry, that's why Jesus was very different. See, every ministry is not to be weighed the same. You know, I got I got people that will take this scriptures and and jump on the missionaries because they taking something with them. This is totally different. This is not the same. See, every, every ministry is not the same. See, see, these men are sent out fully dependent on the provision of God. This is what God is telling them. This is what Jesus is teaching them. They are sent out dependent on the provision of God. Now, some people realize this, and they, they need to be brought to your attention. Many don't know what it is to be thankful because they have much. Is that Right? But you put them down to the bare minimum and then let them earn and see the need of having a paycheck week by week. And I guarantee you that's going to teach them lessons on how to depend upon God. See, it's easy to say, oh, I'm dependent upon God because you're not going through because you got everything you need in life. But well, what about those that don't have? And, and so sometimes, brother, we get those, that. In a way that may hinder us in our ministry, but but notice the unique instructions. As Jesus speaks out, he sends the twelve with instructions that are unique to this particular mission. It's not to the same mission, but this particular mission. They are sent with minimal supplies and without any means for acquiring supplies apart from the generosity, hospitalities of others. See, you can rob somebody of your own heart or, or their own generosity. Generality and mentality by saying, I have everything I need. When they are there, want to help. They want to help you. See, Jesus is not sending his ambassadors on an adventure trip. Is that right? Or a sightseeing tour. And people go on a adventure trip, sightseeing tour, just go out for one day. What happened? They got all these suitcases. <laughs> You got so much in the trunk of the car just going up for one day got everything out of the house just going for one day y'all don't do that do you <laughs> don't answer but this is not an adventure trip is that right but this is a ministry trip trip, and this needs to be handled different there are some differences in the gospel account of what the disciples were to take them in general these directions are simply against luxury and equipment and also against providing themselves with what they could procure from the hospitality of others. See, people out there, you know, God has a way of touching people. People want to be a blessing to you. And then when they see you have all those kinds of things, what's going to happen? Uh, Well, but a lot of times, that's how God works. When you come as a common person, not filled with luxury, doing the master's will, his service, and people are there. They want to put generosity to you for traveling such a great distance for doing all of this work. This is what we want to do for you. And a lot of times, brethren, we can rock people of these blessings by dressing differently than what way we ought to be dressed. You can have money, but you don't have to be fancy in your bind. Is that right? I got money. I got billions of dollars in the bank account, and I'm spending my money. I can't wear it. I'll go and buy this type of hey, I can't wear it tomorrow. I got to wear something else. Now, I had this suit for for several years, and I love it. I just changed the church every night and then, in different colors, so y'all think he got a different different suit. I don't worry about those kind of things. Now, like I like to say, when you give me something, I take it as a blessing. You know, I don't, you know, that's that's the way it goes. I want to be a common preacher. I want to be a common man. And I uh, want to know that I'm dependent Upon God. And we all ought to have that attitude. Take nothing for your journey. This points out that the trip was so urgent. And that the of God was, was to be so radical. That the disciples were not to take the normal necessity for a journey with them. They had that. But Jesus told them not to take it. See, Jesus is smart. We would never thought of that. We have those things. But do we have to show out with these things when we go somewhere? You don't but a lot of times people do. They just want to impress somebody because they go out. I don't have to impress you. Look what kind of car I drive. <laughs> got a got a Toyota Yaris. They got these big old fancy cars. They say, you know, man, I had to stop three times to put gas in it. I said, huh? I just left Polk County and went to Melbourne, and you had to stop two or three times. Man, I still got a full tank. <laughs> I go back and come back and then go back and then keep going and still have gas. Amen. Anyway, see, it's not, uh, uh, to me, I'm not, that's just not me. I'm just not a fashion person. I just want to be humble as I can. I want to be words that people can understand me. I don't have to go somewhere and pretend to be something that I'm not because when you go to Winter Haven, I expect for you to see me in the same light that you see me here today. And that's the same, you know, same light you see me today, you'll see me on my job. I don't have to pretend. Like people get on Facebook, they pretend to be something they're not, they show all these pictures, but this is who you see today. But be shod with sandals and not put on two coats, and I, and I want to get, I don't want to get into that, that discussion there because you got different uh, opinion that people saying that Jesus now saying take shoes, and you got other uh, writers saying not to, but you can understand uh, uh, staff also are two different types of staff and I don't have time for discussion because I need to hurry and get out of here but I want to I hit this how a disciple is conduct himself is what I want to get to in verses 10 and 11 verse 10 says, and he said unto them in what place soever you enter into a house they abide till ye depart from that place and whosoever shall not receive you nor hear you When you depart shake off the dust under your feet for a testimony against them. Verily I say unto you, Brother Mike, listen. It shall be more tolerable for Sodom and Gomorrah in the day of judgment than for that city. See, when I came to Sunday school, we, we talked about Sodom and Gomorrah. We've been hearing Sodom and Gomorrah all day. Is that right? At our first hour and in this hour. Jesus here is teaching his disciples to anticipate what? Rejection. Just like that's why we talked about it. See, they didn't know that was going to happen to Jesus on his hometown. And see, onto to the point that I'm not surprised what will happen. Is that right? I'm not surprised. And it should not cause us to be surprised. But I will marvel at some things that I see a, a member doing that I don't expect for them to do. Like Jesus marveled at their unbelief. And I expect every one of us to believe exactly the way that God said do it by way of these instructions. And we're going to comply ourselves with them today. He says, In what place or ever ye enter to a house, They'll abide till you depart from that place. See, don't be respectful is what Jesus is saying. Is that right? You know, you don't go, you don't have the right to tell people, I want to live over here. I want to live over there. I'm, I'm not. You know I'm than you. Is that right? Now you may give me a leanway and say what you want to eat today, or something like that. But I have no right to come in here and dictate and say, you all do this, you all do, do, don't do do that. But it's good that you ask the, ask the guests. But I see here in this verse that when somebody invites you into their home, from what I see here, you treat that as if your own home. Do exactly as you would like for somebody else to do in your home by following instructions. So you go to somebody else's house, whatever instructions they have for you to follow, you need to follow that too. Is that right? I can't go up here and make up my own rules. But many people think they are that can create their own rules. And that's the problem we have. Too many people want to create rules. I said, we got too many rules out here that are not being obeyed as well. Why do you want to create more rules? And you're not going to obey them anyway. You're not obeying the ones that you have here, but you want to create some other rules? And it seems like that this is what we're living in. Rules, rules, rules being created. And yet we cannot even keep the rules that God has right here in this commandment, but yet we want to create. I say it's kind of legalistic, is that right? Sounds so much like, 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 like the scribes and the Pharisees and the Pharisees always creating, always creating. But we have to understand here that the injunction is given to remain in the home where one has been welcome to stay there until he leaves the village and so that will avoid a whole lot of misunderstanding on our side is that right? and so many people are so upset at the way business come, and to be honest sometimes I have the attitude I wish they had never, never came and, and you know that, that's sad how we waitresses sometimes you know they make mistakes and I hear them getting ripped apart because the food is not cooked right so I just thought, I said wait a minute why are you hollering at her she's not cooking the food go right there and I bet you won't say those same words to those men back there right there cooking with you and, and see and, and, and we have understand that's a way that we have to conduct ourselves and, and as Christians we should always conduct ourselves in a way that will bring glory and honor to God we get our pillars hurt from time to time I do in restaurants Give. I still pray for them. But the problem that I have is that I leave often and don't have any trikes with me to leave for them. And that, and you know, that would tell a whole lot if you're too, too afraid to say something. Well, maybe I'll leave a trike And then at that trike if they don't read it, they make the garbage. That's fine. You know why I say that's fine? Because I had heard well, many who were lost would find these strikes a homeless man or a homeless woman, they go in into the garbage, they see the stripes And I heard reports that they will read these stripes God will use them. And some way God by way of his special relation or his special revelation will work in such a way they work into their hearts and they find there somewhere they're present in a house somewhere where God's word is being taught and they come forward and saying, giving their testimony. And then some have been so faithful through it all, and they have been so true. But it's very important that Jesus said, Whoever shall receive you nor hear you when you depart thence, shake off the dust under your feet for a testimony against them as a witness. What is evidence that's going to be used against those who reject the gospel? Simply shaking off the dust. Look at that. We got no evidence. Yes, we do. Come here, dust. (laughs) Come here, dust. Amen. God called that dust in account. Where did that come from? Well, uh, Jackson, he was over, uh, 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 he was down in Nazareth. Jesus, he got treated just like Jesus. They took off the dust from off his feet. See, now this may seem funny, but this is serious business. This is a testimony that God would use against those who don't hear the truth. I hate saying that. It's sad to say that. Is that right? But it needs to be said. They have an accountability. That once you hear the word of God, you are responsible for it. And you need somebody. And then finally, I want to say, they are, I missed it in verse 12. They preached the message of repentance. Look what it said. And they went out and preached that men should repent. Why did they preach that? Because this is what Jesus taught. He taught repentance. Many people... Don't want to get saved from their sins, but they want to get saved from hell so they don't have to repent. So they can keep doing the same thing over and over and over and over again. Christ does not come to save us from hell. He comes to save us from our sin. That's the problem right there. Sin is the problem. And we need to repent. Repent calls for a changed lifestyle. As evidence of their changed attitude. It has to be a change attitude is a change of mind regarding one's previous sinful life and determination to be done with it. That what goes on. That lifestyle that I once lived before I met Jesus, I don't want to live that lifestyle no more. This is the mindset. This is the attitude that needs to be preached. And this is a response that we need to hear from those who say they have been converted. Is that right? The evidence is not because they're saying it, but you ought to be able to see the evidence in their life. How do they live? How are they are responding to the gospel truth is what we're seeing today. Therefore, there can be no genuine conversion without genuine repentance. And I have to say that today. We are apt to confuse two things. Sorrow for the consequences of sin and sorrow for sin. See, some people are not really sorry for sin. Is that right? They are sorry because they only got caught. That's the consequences. they got. I say, that's not repentance. That's not repentance because you got caught, caught up. All right? I say, are you sorry for the sin that you did? Are you sorry that you got caught? See, that's a big difference. And people don't know that there's a difference. But you need to tell them that is a difference. Men are sorrow, sorrow because of the mess that sin has gotten them into. And they very well know that if, if they could escape that consequence, they do it again. Is that right? They do it again. Well, I didn't get caught, so what? I'm doing it again. I love my sin. See what sin does. I love my sin. That's the opposite. We need to hate sin. Not just one sin, but hate all sin. Anything that offend God, we need to hate it. Is that right? Hate sin. Hate sin. Because God hates sin. Then how are we going to close is note the miracle that they wrote in verse 13. Look what they did. Same thing Jesus did. I love that. And they cast out many devils and anointed with oil many that were sick and healed them. And see, and I love that word. Casting out means they did this over and over and over again. Alright? I'll leave that alone. I better hurry. <laughs> now, remember this the miracles were not the message. Is that right? So I think we get it mixed up. Miracles were not the message. But, it, but these miracles did potentially open the door for the presentation of the gospel. Well, do we do that today? Do we cast out devils? Do we not admit it uh, with oil that was seed? heal them, do we have that authority? And I'm here today to say, say to you today we cannot do it exactly the way that those men did because they had special gifts. Is that right? These guys that you see nowadays with their little ministry going on. I don't know here in in Melbourne, I don't know what county you call this. Oh that's where oh that's right. Tied in with West one beach. Oh <laughs> but but in, in Polk County, you have these charlatans come in and they set up tents, and their focus is is not on the Word of God. Their focus is on miracles, performing miracles, and then you get people with wheelchairs and everything else goes to these services, and guess what? They claim that they're healed, and then after the service, somebody had a camera on them, videoed them going back to their vehicle. They stand there, heels still in their wheelchair. And they want to, can God heal today? Yes, he can, is what we want to say. And so what is the abiding principle? As we consider the call to faithfully share the message of Jesus, we must be obedient. We go, not in our own power, but in his power, knowing that God will provide. And, and while not all will be, we can trust that God is, uh, is accomplishes his plan in the world, even though all is not believing. And then we should be thankful for the faithfulness of the apostles. Is that right? And likewise, we should have to be faithful ourselves in our own generation. That's what we want to say here today. Father, thank you for this hour. Thank you for this message that you have given us. Father, what a wonderful lesson that was filled with so much truth in it today. I just pray Father, that you help us to be thankful for the faithfulness that we saw in the apostles as they were trained, they went out and they obeyed you exactly and it's our responsibility father as members as we faithfully follow the, the, the leader, the pastor, to give directions and instructions. I pray Father we be obedient to him as well as he's followed Christ in the name of Jesus. we pray amen.